Welcome to the Inside Carolina podcast, presented by Jersey Mike Subs of Chapel Hill. Get 15% off your online order with the promo code HEELS15. Go to jerseymikes.com slash order now. Welcome to the Inside Carolina podcast. John Siegel here with Mike Ingersoll and EJ Wilson. Going to be recapping the 2018 season, getting our final thoughts on that, and then putting it away in the books Hopefully never to see again because, <laughs> yeah, the the highlight list is pretty short for last season. Um, yeah, so let's just go ahead and start there. Mike, you know, in your summation briefly here, how would you describe the 2018 season and what is going to be your memory of it, aside from the coaching change, because that's obviously the biggest thing. So I'm not going to let you cheat and select that. Well, it's a disappointment, and I don't really know there's much there's much else to, to, to talk about with it. But there's, there's always good you can take out of bad. There's always bad that you can take out of good. And some of the good you can take out of the 2018 season is that, number one, we got a preview of our quarterback situation. Um, which depending on recruiting and if we're able to flip Sam Howell uh, here at a, at a Sun Valley High School here in Indian Trail in the Charlotte area, if we're able to flip him from FSU back to, you know, back to Chapel Hill and keep him in state, you know, that only strengthens that quarterback room. But I think we've already got two really strong quarterbacks sitting in that room right now in Cade Fortin and Jace Reuter. And we were able to get a preview of those kids as 18, 19-year-old freshmen and what they were able to do, which was encouraging, because they both played when they were when they were in the game when they were asked to play. Considering the fact they're true freshmen, they they played very well. Uh, neither of them burned their red shirt, so you know we've got both of them for uh, four more years, beginning with next season. So that's a positive. The other positive is, you know, we had a team that I think this was a, a prevailing theme that sort of became recognized towards the end of the towards the end of the season as we understood that. Fedora was probably not coming back. It was becoming more and more apparent is that the, there's a locker room of guys that of seniors particularly, but rising, rising seniors too. So the junior class that never gave up. And that sounds cliche and, you know, rah, rah, but they really, they, they never gave up. They played incredibly hard. Um, they just came up short uh, nine times this season. They came up short. Um, but they, they never quit. They never gave up the entire season. They showed a resolve and a mental fortitude to continue on in the face of what was ultimately a lost season. And I'm talking about, you know, you, you got guys, particularly you think of, you know, people like Cole Holcomb, right. Who just kid had an incredible year. Um, never had his head down, always addressed the media and took criticism head on. And you have to respect a kid like that. Um, and, 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 and the list, you know, you can, you can rattle off names all over that roster that did the same thing. And that, that was encouraging. It's, it's, it shows you have a locker room full of guys that are adults and they're mature and they're, they're, they, they know how to win and they also know how to lose. And sometimes you can't teach that sort of thing. And it looks like we have pieces in place that already have that um, as part of their personal fabric, which is, which is, which is a positive. 
All right, well, that's about as good a shine as you can put on the 2018 season as possible. So good job there, Mike. That's that, that lawyer in skill. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Props to UNC Law. There you go. EJ, let's um, hear from you, man, because you were on the team that transitioned over from bunting to Butch Davis. You know, the bunting years at the end, they were rough. You guys had some bad seasons similar to this one. So as a player, you know, how do you handle kind of moving on to the next year, putting this behind you, especially with a new staff coming in? What's that process like? It's an amazing process, and it's something that I glad, I'm glad that I was uh, able to be a part of. Because uh, to be honest with you, I think that, and, and this is nothing against John Bunning, because I love that man to death. I think anybody, and even Michael tell you, anybody who's ever been around him and fed off his energy knows that if anyone bleeds Carolina blue and if anyone was truly there for their players and nothing else, it was Coach Bunning. So, but I truly believe that if that coaching staff had to stay there, then I don't think I would have become the player that I was or been able to move on to the next level like I did because there would have been a a feeling of complacency there. Like, okay, nobody's expecting us to win. This team was terrible before I got here. They'll probably be bad when I leave. I mean, that was really the attitude of a lot of those guys. But once Coach Davis came, it really was like a rebirth. It was like being recruited all over again. It was like being a freshman all over again, even though when uh, Coach Davis got there, I was a I was a red I was a junior red shirt sophomore so I had been on campus for a while but it really felt like that I w- I was just stepping foot on campus and really learning football again for the first time because everything was so different everything was so focused and there was just a different level of intensity so I think that this is going to breathe like a lot of people say coaches breathe new life new life into the program and that's a very true thing I think that what you're going to see next year is you're going to see some players who may have been serviceable this year may have had uh, average to below average seasons are going to turn around and be uh, big time guys uh, for me and I, I think I'm a, a perfect example of that I uh, I switched so many positions while I was at UNC I got recruited as a quarterback that summer I played linebacker uh, during training camp I played uh, tight end during the season I played scout team defensive end uh, slash tight end during the spring I played fullback in which uh, coach Andre Powell said I was the worst fullback in ACC history which I do not doubt uh, and then <laughs> to defensive linemen, uh, that training camp. So I think that, and for me, when coach Davis coming there, it's only my second year ever playing defensive line and, and just really kind of letting he, he and coach Blake kind of form everything we did, how I thought about my preparation, how I thought about, uh, how I trained, what I put into my body. It really was something different that made me really go about thinking about things like a pro. And I think that's something that Mac Brown's going to uh, bring. I mean, he said that he wants to make Carolina the cool place to be again. And I think him coming back, it instantly, it instantly makes it cooler because you're going to have players that normally didn't come around the program as much. Some of the guys that played for Mac, some of the quote unquote uh, legends uh, that played at Carolina, they're going to start spending time around the program. The recruiting-wise, people are already familiar with him. They're familiar with the players he's coached at UNC and at Texas. So I think uh, a lot of the younger players may not know who he is, but the parents know. And the parents will tell these stories like all these players that you're seeing now, they played for this guy. So I think that there's going to there's gonna be new energy. And I can, I can feel the energy, even though I haven't been in Chapel Hill since uh, Mac was announced as the coach. I still can feel the energy just reading it, just just having people text me and call me and the excitement they have in their voice about it. So I know as fans and as spectators, we're excited. I can only imagine what the energy is like in that room. 
and, and around that facility. But I do think that the coach coming in is going to breathe new life in there for a lot of players. And we're going to see some guys. I, I feel like we're going to see some guys emerge next year and play a big role uh, in the season that we didn't normally see before, that we didn't really see a lot from this season. All right. Let's talk about the coaches here in just a second. So let's get thoughts on kind of where things went wrong in the 2018 season. So Mike on the offensive side of the ball, you know, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to watch the 2018 Tar Heels and notice that quarterback was the number one kind of area there that led to some losses. But really, there were some games where the offense just overall could not get it done. As an offensive lineman yourself, what do you think could be improved upon moving into next season with the two quarterbacks? You've got Jace Reuter, who's the athletic running type, and then Kate Fortin, a little bit more of that pocket passer. Skill position looks good. What do you think kind of led to the struggles, and then how is that going to be rectified? We have to, from an offensive line standpoint, we have to solidify our interior offensive linemen. So our interior three, both guards and center, we're going to have to find out who those guys are. And Jonathan Troll came on, former walk-on, earned himself a scholarship, became the starter, uh, played played pretty well. Um, he's going to have to, if he's going to keep that job, with this new staff, he's going to have to improve upon the things that he was doing well, uh, you know, this past year, which kids got a good punch. Um, he, he shows flashes of understanding how to punch and sit his hips and keep his head back and things like that. Basic, basic pass pro fundamentals. Um, he's going to have to improve upon the things that he's good at uh, and make those become even better at those things. And then he's going to obviously have to fix the things um that that he struggled with uh footwork in the run game snapping and stepping that sort of stuff uh you know basic stuff that centers will struggle with and then our guards you know same deal I mean, we're gonna have to get better on pass protection uh in on the inside there we got beat on a lot of twist games between our between our two guards and center and that should never happen a twist should never beat the inside three ever um it's literally three three guys on two which should never happen and it happened too frequently so from an offensive lineman standpoint you know, that's, that's going to be the biggest, that's going to be the biggest issue is, is shoring up who our inside three guys are going to be um, and keeping them healthy and playing as one cohesive unit, uh, you know, within the larger offensive line unit throughout the season. That's, that, that's going to be the number one biggest thing they have to do. Uh, second thing they're going to have to do is we're going to have to get um, our receivers are going to have to work on route running and catching the football. And I say that because, it's an unbelievably talented group of receivers. Now we're obviously losing, we're obviously losing rat. Um, he declared for the draft a year early, which if he's doing that, I'm sure he's, he's getting information that we're not privy to, uh, but you know, he's been getting information that says he's going to be drafted probably somewhere between uh, anywhere. I doubt first round, but anywhere from the first to the fourth round. Otherwise there's no reason for an underclassman to leave. Um, so he's getting, he's getting Intel. that says he'll probably go somewhere in those middle rounds. Um, so he, he, he should have gone. The good news is the, the guys that he's leaving behind are more than capable. Um, we, we've got, um, you know, Daz Newsom, right. Is an unbelievable talent, incredibly flashy, explosive, fast player, um, and showed flashes of being an all ACC caliber wide receiver. You know, him along with his, you know, fellow receiver cohorts are just going to have to get better at route running, route timing with the quarterbacks, 
um, and making sure they catch everything that's thrown to them. You know, it's, it's, that was, we, we lost games because drives ended because we dropped footballs that hit us in the hands this year in, on more occasions than I would like to like to even recognize. So when you have, a, you know, I, I hate to say this about, you know, Nathan, I don't, I don't mean to characterize it this way, but when you have a deficiency at the quarterback position, which, you know, we did, we had a deficiency in production from the quarterback position. When you have that, you can't, you can't drop easy balls. You can't drop guaranteed completions. Um, you can't drop guaranteed conversions on third down. Um, you have to, you have to convert those plays if you're going to win football games. And that only comes with game experience, life experience, age, and maturity. Um, and, and those guys obviously had that from this year. So going into the next year, they're going to have to improve upon those little things. Um, and then overall, as an offense, there's going to be a brand-new scheme. There's going to be a brand-new offensive philosophy. There's going to be a brand-new position coaches, a coordinator. Um, you know, they're going to have to adjust. They're going to have to adjust quickly and take the things they've learned so far as Division One football players and be able to apply it on the fly and and adjust and implement the new offense. I know that when uh, we talked about the bunning to Butch transition, you know, when that happened, Sam Pittman came in. He taught a all-new offensive line technique. It was it was tough to grasp first year. John Shute came in, brought an all-new offensive philosophy and offensive scheme, and, you know, things had to be dumbed down that first year because there was just a lot to process. And the offense as a whole struggled at times with the transition, and that's going to happen, and we're going to see that this year uh, to some extent. So we have to mitigate that somehow. And, and the way you mitigate that is you get better at your fundamentals and your individual from an offensive line and receiver standpoint, that's, that's what we're going to have to focus on a quarterback. We just got to figure out who the quarterback is and that kid's got to be ready to roll. All right. So let's take a quick commercial break. And when we get back, EJ want to get your thoughts on the defense, similar to what Mike just did for the offense, but we'll be right back after this. Let's take a moment to talk about our friends at Heels Travel. They are a valued IC podcast sponsor, and earlier in the year, they received rave reviews for their travel package for the UNC versus Cal game earlier in the fall. If you missed out on that one, you still have the chance to book your package with Heels Travel because they are selling one to go see Carolina take on Kentucky in the CBS Sports Classic in Chicago on December 22nd. To book that package, you can call 336-855-0060 to book, or you can visit HeelsTravel.com. Now that trip includes round-trip airfare from RDU to Chicago's O'Hare Airport, transportation to and from the airport, and a two-night stay in the Omni Chicago. It's right on Michigan Avenue in downtown Chicago, and it's also the same hotel where the basketball team is going to be staying. That's a pretty cool experience for you and the family. So that price and inclusions are offering at the Omni Chicago are even less than if you booked it directly. It's going to be a great chance to see your Tar Heels take on an opponent on a big stage and explore a great city right around Christmas time. So again, call 336-855-0060 to book or visit HeelsTravel.com. That's 336-855-0060 or visit HeelsTravel.com to book today. And we are back with the Inside Carolina podcast. John Siegel here with Mike Russell and EJ Wilson. All right, EJ, so let's get your thoughts on the defense because it was a season where there were some games like Virginia Tech where the defense really showed out, and there were others like that Southern Cal game in the first half. Uh, you could point to the Virginia, the um, 
the game against Virginia where they kind of just couldn't get enough stops. But it was very up and down is basically the point I'm trying to, to get across here. So when you were watching the defense, what kind of stood out to you as something that led to that inconsistency? And then under new coach Mac Brown, we know that he prefers that hard-nosed attacking style. How do you think that that's going to change for the 2019 season? Um, I think the defense this year, <clears throat> excuse me, of course they were inconsistent. And I think some of that, there there are a lot of factors that probably played into that. One is that they were on the field a lot. I mean, our offense wasn't very productive this year. Uh, sometimes we ran the ball well. Sometimes we didn't run the ball well. And, of course, we know uh, there, was, there was a lot of sudden change, a lot of turnovers. And But uh, for the most part, I honestly, I was – I thought our defense would do better, but I don't think that it's it's as bad as some people may think. I don't think that our defense performed terribly this year, and I do think that we have some talent coming back, especially along uh, the defensive line. Uh, Jason Strobridge is a player that I'm very excited about uh, seeing what he's going to do next year, uh, last year in Chapel Hill, and I think that I think that he's going to have a big year. And I think Mac Brown coming in with the style of defense that that, um, that he wants to play, I think it fits in perfect with the type of player that he is. I think that we really need a lot of uh, work in the back end. I think some of those guys, they show flashes. None of them were able to really have good games all at the same time and really put together a game where you say, wow, we really do have a good secondary. But they were up and down. And uh, inconsistency with, with young players isn't always a bad thing because at least they're showing signs that you know it's there. Uh, and I think after reviewing the film, another spring and another su- uh, summer, to get ready and get prepared for next season. I think that we're going to see a lot better product out there on defense. I I really think that for, for a two and nine team, this may sound weird, but they really were uh, the strong point of our team, but they definitely uh, could have been more consistent. Uh, some of those sudden changes, they definitely could have uh, tried uh, pressed and executed and got three and outs, but some of that didn't happen, but I really do think that they will be good next year. Uh, when Coach Davis first came in, uh, we had pretty much the same people on that defense in 2007 as we did in 2009, but in 2007, we were inconsistent. 2008, we got a little bit better. In uh, 2009, we finished the regular season uh, in the top three, with top three rush defenses uh, in the country. I think we allowed around uh, 80, 90 uh, rushing yards a game. So that's what, and I think my pers- that's my perspective. I know where where teams have struggled and not performed to the best of their ability. And some of those same guys were around when they really turned, that, turned uh, everything around. So I really am encouraged uh, by what I saw this year. I definitely would have wanted to see him play better, but I do think this there there anything that was wrong this year are things that we can approve upon. There never was an effort issue. There was definitely some uh, disciplinary issues. The play that stands out to me most was uh, Tyler Powell, uh, ECU, when he hit the quarterback about 10 yards out of bounds. So I think that if we stop shooting ourselves in the foot and we execute and we just get just just work on our the guys have to work on their craft and work hard in the offseason to make sure that uh, they're in the right position next year and they'll know what uh, know what to do when the situation arises. So uh, I have confidence that we we will see a much uh, improved defense next year. And I think that exactly what uh, Mac wants to do, I think we have the personnel for it. Probably going to have to recruit a couple guys in. I think probably at the linebacker level, maybe one of the uh, weaker areas for the defense. But, I mean, you, you could have a true freshman linebacker come in and impact your defense. So I think that if we put some of those additional pieces that we need to execute in that defense, I think uh, our young talent in, this, uh, in a secondary will get better. 
and uh, be better next year. And I think uh, we have some pieces on the defensive line already now that can execute that defense and uh, have a better showing next year. All right, so let's go ahead and start talking about the new coaching staff coming in. So UNC has already added Brewster. They also added Tim Cross on the defensive line. In addition to keeping Tommy Thigpen, looks like Chad Scott might remain on staff along with Gillespie, although with the offensive coordinator still being blank, we're not 100% sure on that. Let me get y'all's thoughts on the off-season workout and strength and conditioning because We've talked on this podcast about how the strength and conditioning coach is so vitally important. You guys have said that over and over again. So are y'all thinking that for the off season, that's something that Mac Brown should be doing sooner rather than later. So that way during the month of December, when the players kind of have their downtime, they can already have an idea of what's going to be expected of them. Mike, let's hear from you first on that. Yeah. So your strength and conditioning coach is, and his staff are arguably the second most important coaches on the entire, in the entire building behind the head coach because the players spend the most time with the strength and conditioning coaches. They will spend a disproportionate amount of time with the strength staff than they will with their own position coaches throughout the year. Um, those, the strength coaches are the ones that have the most impact and most influence on those players year round because they're with them the most. There are uh, far less restrictions on contact that the strength staff can have with the players. There's obviously no, there's no dead period with the strength coaches and the players. Like there is uh, the, you know, the recruiting period that the coaches take where, you know, you essentially, you don't see your position coaches for um, uh, several weeks in the summertime leading up to training camp. Um, your strength coaches sort of fill that void. So yeah, that's absolutely a hire that should be having, should be happening sooner rather than later. Um, another reason that it should be happening now is because they have to the strength staff that that is has to implement their they got to get their plan together they have to understand they have to figure out what their offseason program is going to look like they have to start developing their in-season program because by the time they get hired get in there get acclimated the season is going to be here um and then number three they have to get uh familiarized with the players themselves there's going to be a feeling out period here between the new strength staff new coaches and the players and the players are going to be feeling out the new coaches too um, so there's going to have to be, um, there's going to, there, there's going to be a transition there. And that's something that I know EJ and I don't have personal experience with because Jeff Connors was kept on staff during the Bunning to Butch Davis transition. So we didn't have that. There was no drop off there, which I think was actually very, very beneficial for us. Um, but obviously Mac Brown has decided to go, uh, in his own direction with his own strength coach and his own strength staff, which is not abnormal for uh, a new staff coming in, but the strength coaches should be. Uh, one of the one of at least right now, um, maybe the most pressing hire that Mac needs to make. Now, right on the coattails of that, though, is is your coordinators um, because your coordinators are going to help build the offensive and defensive staffs. And recruits need to know who they are. The players need to know who they are. And those coaches got to get in and start putting in their schemes um, and, and their 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 philosophies. So. You know, it's 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 a whirlwind right now for Mac. At the same time, he's got early signing day on December 19th. So he's trying to secure some recruits, tell some other guys to hold off. Can you wait to sign at the traditional signing day so that we can actually recruit you? Um, you know, so this staff can have time to actually recruit you for an extended period of time, um, you know, before February. Uh, and you can get to know us. We can get to know you, that sort of thing. So there's a lot of balls in the air right now for Mac Brown. But the strength and conditioning staff, 
should absolutely be priority number one um, because, you know, listen, what, what, what happens in the weight room translates directly into what happens on the field. So, uh, you know, it, this, the, 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 the coaches that your players are going to spend the most time with throughout their career as well as throughout the season and the offseason, um, those guys need to be solidified. They need to be put in place so the players can start getting familiarized with them when they start matriculating back into campus, and those coaches can start getting familiarized with the players too. All right, let's take another quick commercial break. When we get back, EJ, I have a question for you on strength and conditioning, so stay tuned. We'll be right back after this. Are you heading to Chapel Hill for a basketball game? Stop by one of the Jersey Mike stores in and around the Chapel Hill to get a delicious sub sandwich. Now there are five locations to choose from. The best thing is that if you use the code HEELS15, you get 15% off of your online order. Now that is good for the Chapel Hill, Hillsborough, and Chatham County locations. It's an online code only, so this is how it works. You go to jerseymikes.com order or use the Jersey Mike's app and click the location nearest to you. Choose your order, pick your favorite sub, and at checkout, enter HEELS15, and you get that 15% off of your whole order. You get to skip the line, head straight to the register, grab your food, and then you're on your way. Do it today. Place an online order at one of the five convenient Chapel Hill, Hillsboro, and Chatham County locations. It's a super easy process. Just remember the code HEELS15. Order online and pick up your sub. That's HEELS15. And we're back with the Inside Carolina podcast. All right, so EJ, about the strength and conditioning, I wanted to get your thoughts on some of the injuries that UNC has suffered both this season and last year, because especially in the secondary, like you mentioned, with the inconsistency, uh, there was also a lot of just turnover there. You saw KJ Sales go down with some injury, who was having a really good season. Same thing with Patrice Renee. So... Do you think that a strength and conditioning coach, is that going to have a direct impact on injuries? You see it a lot on the message board that, you know, the fans try to claim that it is. But from looking at the players, what are your thoughts on that? Do you think that there's any veracity to that at all? There's absolutely a direct correlation to that. Um, and, and that was explained to us by uh, our strength coach, Jeff Connors. Uh, we happen to have, Mike and I happen to have the the great fortune of training under one of the only master strength uh, coaches in the country right now. So, and me being an exercise and sports science major, I know for a fact that muscle strength, flexibility, all that leads to injury prevention. You'll notice that when, when we were uh, in college from, when uh, Coach Bunning was there, he was all about let's let's get these guys as strong as we possibly can. We're gonna lift we're gonna lift heavy and we're gonna condition a lot. Coach Davis transitioned to more of the high intensity interval training. There was more flexibility work. There was a uh, set time for yoga. Uh, we would actually stretch. There was emphasis on uh, making sure that we hit the foam rollers. There was a big emphasis on making sure that we were in the training room all the time. And during the season. We didn't we we didn't cut back on how we worked out. We lifted heavy all throughout the season, so our bodies weren't wearing down on us towards the end of the season. I remember when I left uh, college to go train for the combine. A lot of these guys were kind of banged up and kind of tired, and I came in relatively fresh, is because I was used to putting my body through that basically uh, year round. So there's definitely a correlation to that. I think that. I, and I, I haven't been around that street coach. I haven't seen them work out. But with the uh, amount of injuries, you would have to think that 
maybe they're tapering off thinking that, hey, we these guys are going out practicing. They've been through training camp. They've been through a whole summer. It's November, October, November. It's getting late in the season. Let's kind of taper it back on these guys. And then that was the exact opposite. We were we actually lifted the day after games. Uh, we and we did do leg exercises. And honestly, we felt better forward. I mean, we it sucked most of the time because we were hung over if it was a big if, if it was a win or still hung over, even if it was a loss trying to drown our sorrows. And that <laughs> kind of got us. Or hung yeah. over if it was a Wednesday. Or if the sun came up. So, <laughs> so we, uh, yeah, we, we got that workout in. We always started out uh, with yoga. Um, we'd have all, offense with either being in the weight room or doing yoga and vice versa for the defense. So, the massages? The massages? Yeah, oh yeah. We, we did have massage. We had massages uh, Fridays before the game and after the game. So there was definitely uh, Coach Connors, Coach Davis gave Coach Connors a lot of free reign with what he what he wanted to do with us because, like Mike said, he knew that we were going to be spending a disproportionate amount of time with that strength uh, with that strength staff. So he didn't want Coach Connors to feel like that he was he had any restraints or constraints on what he wanted to do. And honestly we got better for that. I know I got stronger. I got more explosive. I got more flexible because coach Connors was able to fully implement uh, his plan. And, and that was one of the reasons why that's one of the reasons why I think that he had uh, left uh, and went to ECU and all that other stuff is because he didn't feel like that he was still having complete control over everything that was going on. So lifting during the year, off season programs, massages, treatment uh doing yoga all that stuff is going to directly correlate to how healthy how healthy you're you're able to stay uh i know for me when i was at the nfl we didn't lift as hard as we did and i found myself being injured not even close close. i found myself being on the sideline or being injured a lot more than I, i was in college so i definitely think that the stream coach, the, the stream staff is going to be is a very, very, very important hire. Uh, even these days, with the kids uh, starting to train as early as they do, they know who some of these strength coaches are at these colleges, and that can be a big thing in recruiting. So I think that before uh, this early, especially within, I think within this week or early next week, I think that he needs to focus on making sure that he brings in the right strength staff, someone who's going to take these players, develop them, and somebody that a uh, 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 um, senior in high school will want to come train under because they know they're going to have their body in peak physical condition, not only for college, but to transition to the NFL. So I, I think it's super important. So when you guys are talking about facilities, you know, Carolina has just opened up that massive indoor practice facility. Mike, do you th- how big of a deal do you think that that truly is, both for the current team and for recruiting purposes? Well, if there's anybody who knows how big a deal facilities are, it's Mac Brown. Um, mm-hmm. The Keenan Football Center was the first football-only or football-specific facility in the country um, in the style that it was, right, with administrative offices and coaches' offices, weight room, training table, everything centralized right there only for football. People, people will point to, for example, Dope Campbell Stadium down at Florida State, right, and how they have classrooms built onto the stadium and all that. It's one massive facility and it's universal and all that, but that's a shared facility with the general student body. Keenan Football Center was the first facility in the country that was designed only for the football team, nobody else. And other schools copied it and mimicked it. And we actually got that, um, you know, we kicked off, if you really want to look at it, Mac Brown kicked off the facilities arm race in college football um, 
with the Keenan Football Center. We also had one of the first indoor facilities um, with the uh, with the 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 the, Eddie, the field house, mm-hmm. uh, Eddie Smith Fieldhouse. Um, that was one of the first indoor facilities for football in the country. So Mac had a lot of influence in terms of getting Carolina all you know starting us off. Um, and having us be the trendsetters when it came to facilities, what Carolina's problem has been is that since Mac left, um, you know, we rested on our laurels in the university. I'm not going to get into criticism of the university. I love the place, but Carolina, you know, has always kind of done that with everything. You know, we were the first this and we were the first that, and because we were the first, we're not going to really change it or mess with it. Um, you know, we didn't make any real efforts until uh, really until Butch came along. Um, to update those facilities and bring them into the modern era. Um, so we kind of, you know, we did it first. We were the first to do it. We could rest on, we were the first to do it, but then we never actually made any improvements or built upon that. Um, I would be willing to bet you'll see Mac not only, you know, it, it fully embrace this new indoor facility, but build upon that as well. Build upon the Keenan football center um, and build upon the facilities that we currently have, make them bigger, make them better. Um, and, and make it more attractive for recruits because when you've got Clemson down there uh, with a with a putt-putt golf course and basketball courts and a barbershop and a Nike store all located in their football facility, when you've got Alabama that has some of the most beautiful training pools, we've been talking about for in the training room, uh, therapy pools uh, I've ever seen. Oregon set the bar when they when they were they were the first to have a players only barbershop, right? The the lockers with televisions in it and that sort of thing. Um, it, Texas has lockers with televisions in it. Um, you know, state of the art stuff. I remember I actually did a podcast, um, uh, the Going Deep podcast with John Shoup. We actually talked about that uh, about a year ago. We talked about the Texas facilities with the tele- televisions and all that crap. Um, you know, that sort of stuff matters to high school kids and it's all for recruiting. It's not so much for the current players that are in the building because you've got them. They're not going anywhere, presumably, right? All that stuff is for, um, that, that's all pizzazz and, 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 and fluff, you know, fluff for recruits and attracting high school kids to come to come to your program because of the facilities you have. So, you know, Mac will, Mac was the trendsetter for this. And you'll see Mac build upon this, um, you know, the current facilities we have, the improvements we've already made. And that's going to be exciting to watch because that has a direct impact on recruiting. All right. So, Mike, let's go ahead and wrap this one up with your final message about 2018. If there's one thing that you think Carolina fans should remember and can look forward to for next season, what do you think it is? You saw a preview of the future at the quarterback position, and it's going to be – it's one of two kids. We don't know who it is, but it's one of them. So you saw a preview of the future of the most important position on the field and on, on the team and in the locker room, and you should be encouraged by what you saw. Um, and it's also a year of transition. It's the metamorphosis of Carolina football. We've gone – you know, we went through – we've gone through these in the recent past. We're about to go through another one. Hopefully this one sticks. Um, you know, but the changes for the better that are coming, the hype that will be around the program uh, in the coming year, uh, it's very real and it's exciting. And hopefully, you know, this this excitement will will churn itself into wins and sustained success and a seat at the national table like we were building towards before. Um, so this consider consider 2018. 2018 is not a lost season. Uh, it's not a wash. 
there were things that came out of it that were very positive and uh, you should look at 2018 as the catalyst for the future of Carolina football because that's exactly what it was. All right, EJ, same question to you, and then we'll end after that. I think the message uh, that I have and what really stood out for me this season was just resiliency. I mean, these guys never quit. And I I think, and a lot of people say that, and it sounds like we're just saying that because there's nothing else really to talk about, which is true, but still resiliency is a big thing. I know that when we were bad and we were losing those games, we weren't resilient. We quit. Once we found out coach Dave, I mean, coach Bunning got fired. We quit. We mentally quit. We physically quit. So for the for these these young men to come out like Mike mentioned earlier and show their maturity, I think that that's a big sign for what we're going to have next year because they're going to take they're, they're going to take onus of that. That most of those guys who are seniors, they were there the whole time with Coach Fedora, and now he's gone. So they felt like in order to do him justice, they're going to want to take over. They're going to want to take charge and make sure that they become the leaders that Coach Fedora envisioned for them when they were recruiting them. So I think that they're going to take charge and, and take ownership of everything that's going to go on. And that's what's going to that's going to be the end result of that resiliency. And you're going to see a, a much tougher team next year. I feel like I feel like that a lot of these close games that we were in or games that we let slip away, that's not going to happen next year because anytime these guys think of it or it starts to happen, they're going to feel the pain and remember what that was like. And they're just going to dig deeper. So I think that we didn't put a lot up as far as stats and as far as technique and being technique sound, but we did develop a fortitude that I think is going to, is going to pay off more than any winning season could have this year. They're, they're going to learn lessons that are going to not only carry them in the next year, but it's going to carry them for the rest of their lives. So I think the fact that these guys fought and, and they, and they fought until the end of the season is something that's really encouraging. All right, guys. Well, hey, really appreciate you joining me tonight. That will do it for this podcast and the 2018 season, officially putting it in the rearview mirror now. So from here on out, it's going to be about spring ball, recruiting, and then that magical thing that every uh, team has until the games start, hope. (laughs) So (laughs) we'll see what happens over the offseason. But guys, appreciate you again. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening to the Inside Carolina podcast presented by Jersey Mike Subs of Chapel Hill. Get 15% off your online order with the promo code HEELS15. Go to jerseymikes.com slash order now.